Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by our returning guest, Ryan of Appendix N. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, good to be back. Good, good to have you back. And you have something that's that's going on right now on, on Kickstarter. Is that correct? I do. I do. Gateway to Adventure Trilogy. Yes. Not one, but three. 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 <laughs> Because I went crazy. So Gateway <laughs> to Adventure overall, for those who have been following my products, is the is the label that's attached everything that I put out for old school essentials. So let me, before I even go into the Kickstarter or anything, let me talk about that name. That name is there. Um, I chose that name a long time ago before I was even going to do old school essentials when I was going to make my own game. And then old school essentials essentially did what I wanted to do. So I said, okay, I'll just publish supplements and adventures for this. <laughs> um, Gateway to Adventure was chosen because in BX, the product catalog that you got from TSR had a picture of a door on the cover and I, I it said, this. the Gateway to Adventure. I remember like, that. Like, I remember man, that. <laughs> that'd be a great, that'd be great to, put, to make a retro clone called Gateway to Adventure because you've got that nostalgia. Mm -hmm but it's the gateway. So you're open to do new things too. I'm like, it's great. It's perfect. It's good. it's good. I appreciate it. And especially if you put it on a generic fantasy game, that's your gateway to adventure. And then you can do all of the other things with it. Sword and sorcery, wild, and wacky gonzo stuff, whatever you want, <laughs> because that's your gateway. That's your opening, you know? So like, that's, that's perfect. And these are kind of that gateway, if I think about it, like looking at what you're you're covering in each one of those, it definitely has that. It seems as if they kind of expand the basic OSE in a lot of ways. Would that be wrong in saying? Nope, that is correct in saying. And my original plan was to do this through a bunch of little zines and then eventually compile them. And that was the last time that I was on was for Zine Quest. And we were talking about the zines with class thing that I was trying to do. Yes. And it was just going to be five little zines with classes in them and the adjunct material that went with them, new spells or whatever the class mm -hmm. needed that was necessary. And that failed. And so naturally, I thought, well, after Zine Month, I did that big Kickstarter for a hardback monster book. It was actually supposed to be a zine, but it turned into a hardback monster book. So what if I just compiled all this with a bunch of my other ideas and just did a couple big books? And originally I was going to kick this off as just the class compendium, which was going to have those classes and some of my other classes and sort of, uh, you know, ideas for, so we'll talk about that, right? <laughs> yeah. Class compendium has all of the classes that were going to be in, the, the zines with class, the five that were there, several of the ones that were stretch goals in there, and some of the classes that I've had published elsewhere over time. It has the stuff from Lost classes, the Arnesonian classes that are being brought into the scope of old school essentials because in Lost classes, it's a mess. It looks like hell. That was my first attempt at doing anything under this, and it looks like an amateur swords and wizardry product <laughs> no. from like 2009, which nothing wrong with that. I loved that stuff when it came out. That's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. But, but, you know, then I actually got the OSC books in my hand because I kickstarted that around the same time that OSC was starting to kickstart. 
and it wasn't meant for OSE. It was meant to be published under this new game that I was semi working on at the time for yeah. Gateway to Adventure with conjunction with OD&D and Swords and Wizardry and games like that. And then, you know, during Gavin's thing, he's putting out teasers of what OSE looked like. And I'm going, oh, man. Oh man, that's cool. Oh man, that's cool. And he goes, he goes, we're going to do advanced books with the advanced classes too. And I go, sold. <laughs> sold. And midway through during the Kickstarter, I put out, a, I put out a, you know, a thing say, Hey guys, I know it said it was going to be for this and yeah, it'll be compatible with that. But officially I'm putting this out for this now. <laughs> it's going to be for OSE. Now, the, that's supposed to, the new box sets themselves that were just kickstarted. Oh, when was that kickstarter? Was that last year? It was like, I don't know the exact dates, but like February, March, something like that. I oh, think. I got, I got you. I got kickstarter right here. I'm sure it would tell me if I can scroll down to that. Phone. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what, but anyways. I've, I've uh, got it too, but up, it's open to my page so that I don't misspeak. <laughs> you know, mine is open to your page as well. That's why <laughs> crazy. <laughs> the last update on that is that that's supposed to be delivering uh, pretty like soon. Real they got them. soon. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't time this specifically for that or the fact that they just launched <laughs> two new fantasy TV shows around this time either. <laughs> you know, and I did. I definitely didn't hey. make this video to be kind of reflective of my variations on Middle Earth because something just came out with that either. So we'll just push that all aside. Well, you brought up <laughs> something we haven't even talked about here on the show yet. There are two new fantasy shows going on TV now, and I'm excited. Yep. I love having. Not just yep. one to look forward to on the weekend, but there's two. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, and I, I, I kind of thought, well, that's why, like I said, my, uh, my Kickstarter failed. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to try to do this a month from now and see what happens. And I'm going to tease it a lot, which there were six teasers that came out over the past three weeks before this, you know, leading up to the video because we did a video. It's got music and everything. It's pretty good. It's music that was made for this too. Well, let's talk about the music. Where did the where, where who who did the music? Where did that come from? I'm, I'm curious to know about that. So the music comes from a musician from here in Michigan who his his band camp is under the name of Sleeping Bears. Of Sleeping Bears. Yep, and he's he does some renaissance era type stuff with real instruments he does some synth stuff he does dungeon synth what turned me on to him originally was he came into a group on facebook i was in and posted a link to his band camp with his new album that he had just put out that's all based on dark sun and i gave that a listen and i'm going man that's great that's real great is that trials of the dark sun it is, is that, okay yep it is I have I need to get onto Bandcamp and, and, and explore that a little bit, but I don't think I need yeah. to fall down another rabbit hole right at this minute. <laughs> yeah. If you explore Bandcamp, here's because I know you will appreciate this. If you explore Bandcamp and choose to give those bands money and actually buy their albums, digital or physical or anything on there, wait until they do. They do. Um, I forget what they call them exactly, but Artist Fridays, right? Yeah. And what that is is during those days almost everything or maybe actually everything that you pay goes straight to the artists nice and band camps cut is next to nothing or it is nothing i can't remember which one but 
I try to wait until those days come up before I uh, usually before I buy things so the artists can get more for what they're doing, you know? That's, yeah, that is. That I appreciate is that. Oh, how, how often do they do that? It's just kind of random. It comes um, up every now and then, or is it like once a month? <laughs> I want to say it's once a month ish. I honestly don't pay enough attention to it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I'll notice yeah. it come through and go, Oh, <laughs> there it is. And my friend, my friend, Brian could better tell because he's, he's really plugged into the, the indie music scene that's on there. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, he's on there and I, I can get you a link for the sh- in the show notes for that if you like. Actually, the link is also on the Kickstarter if people go to the Kickstarter. So, oh, yeah. Go, let's talk. Let's go back to that. We got the music for the Kickstarter. <laughs> so I did the video. The video has some art that we already have from some of our products that take place in my campaign world. Right. Because everything mm-hmm. I published to date is something extrapolated from my campaign world all of the adventures, all everything. I haven't given an outright setting in anything yet because I'm trying to hit that, that vibe of it's an implied world. And it's also your world. Kind of like when you used to read a D and D book, especially the older ones before they started putting out fancy box sets with campaign worlds and everything. (laughs) I've got an idea of what this world's like because the rules talk about these things that are real specific. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of between my adventures and Oktoberfest. That's it. This is the same sort of thing. My world is the mid realm, which it talks about on the Kickstarter. And these are a bunch of rules. Some of them are actual rules that I've experimented with going back to my days of basic and second edition back in the late eighties and early nineties. Right. And some of it's ported over from that. Some of it's stuff that I created in third edition and kind of retrofit into BX all depending on what I was playing at any given time. And, you know, stuff like that the sorcerer class that i created it um and it lived on the gamers and grognards blog when i had that blog for a long time for castles and crusades and then i've ported my notes from that over to make it more bx friendly you know so it's a little okay. the power yeah. level comes down a little bit and that that class is and we talked about this i think the last time that i was on because it was a part of that kickstarter too it's kind of the if you want to play elric this is your thing <laughs> <laughs> And if you want, if you want to know more in depth about that class, I encourage you to go back and look at the last episode that you were on and take a take a listen. It, it, we talked a lot about it. I'm trying to remember what I even titled it. I just titled it. I think I titled it the name of the uh, of the Kickstarter that was going on. If at the it was time, the name of was, the Kickstarter, it was Zines with Class. Yes, it was. It was Zines yep. with Class. I think that's because, the title because it was it. exclusively going to be classes and what goes along with those. This one kind of started that way. Because I said, well, I'll just do a bunch of the classes and my notes and optional rules for the classes that exist officially in Necrotic Gnome products, right? Yes. I'm going to give you my options for fighters. I'm going to give you my extra options so that thieves at low levels don't suck quite as bad. I'm going to give you my options for clerics performing exorcisms that appears in Octorfest, things of that nature. And clerics with specific deities having different weapons, how to tailor that in your campaign and whatnot, right? So I'm like, so I can make a full class-based book or character creation book that way with all those kind of options. It's also going to have a vastly expanded secondary skills table that's going to have all the crazy stuff that possibly exists in my campaign world. Because Uh my campaign world, my campaign 
has regions for everything. I've got a land that's very, very Camelot and King Arthur and chivalric knights and quests called Cornier. That's been with me since before I played D and D. I used Excellent. to play Castle Legos. And oh, nice! I was a little oh, kid. Yeah, you with know. the with the horse and the Lego horses. And yep, and, and I used to have joust. <laughs> I almost I used to have joust and stuff with that. And the, the kingdom was Cornier, and I don't know exactly oh. how I came up with that name, but I envision it being like you know, even when I was young, it's like this is my Camelot, but the king is King Edward, not King Arthur. But he also drew a sword from a stone, and so that was <laughs> when I started playing D and D. I converted that and their enemies and the regions where monsters were in their world yeah. over to D and D and my friends, you know, a buddy of mine, Rick, that played at those Legos with me instantly knew because like, Oh, when we were younger, okay, I've got an idea of what this is. Cause this is the same place we used to play that game in. And even before that, I kind of had an idea of it because like uh, before I had Legos, in the early 80s, I had those, um, you hear about them on a lot of podcasts and everything and see them when people do retrospects of 80s toys that are D&D-ish. Yeah. Those uh, Dragon Riders of the Sticks. Oh. Army men play sets that were wizards and knights and monsters and such. And they even ripped off the, the orcs in the monster manual and the nagas and had to file the faces off because they were uh, they got a CND from TSR. Like, I had a bunch of those when I was younger. And my dad had Lord of the Rings calendars and stuff. So (laughs) I already was playing this and then it transferred to Legos and transferred to. So this world has been with me for almost my entire life. It just grew (laughs) as I aged and grew as I learned more things about history and the occult and started adding things to the world and its history. Right. So this, all of the classes are things that emerge from here. You've got that Cornier region. That's very Camelot. You have a region that's very Celtic in the North called Scarabray, named after the actual civilization of Scarabray, right? And yeah. Scarabray, Scarabray is different. Scarabray is, is ruled over by, uh, by a religious sort of triumvirate between the three religions that kind of warred with each other for a while up there and are now at peace. Like the Church of the Law, which is my stand-in for the medieval Catholic Church, right? Yes. They forgo all of the other gods and worship the power of law directly, which works real well. In, <laughs> I in, like that. You know, it works real well in a game that's got. I have uh, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine is the mine is the Church of the Holy Mother because okay. it's after Mary. <laughs> and, you know, nice, and then uh, the witches from Octorofest are also there and the witch queen seat is in that city and the druids maiden grove where the arch druid resides is just outside of the city because it's a very celtic region so you've got witches and medieval catholics and Mm -hmm. and these three religions rule the city through kind of i don't want to say like a puppet ruler but you know it's pretty much like the queen uh, like the royal family in england where this person doesn't really mean that much. They've got a couple jobs to do, but it's these three that are really behind everything here, right? Yeah. And, like uh, and then uh, in the South is, and people that were around a couple of years ago during, uh, during the COVID lockdowns on the OSE group will re- remember because I was posting maps and stuff that I was <laughs> refiguring that were Dyson maps of this region that we were playing in called Ixtheon. And Ixtheon oh, yeah. is kind of my my more sword and sorcery region. And it's also the major trade route that exists, that is at the South of a huge land bridge that exists in my world, but it's also a port town 
and it's kind of at the center of everything. So everybody's goods go through Ixtion and Ixtion is ruled over by an over by a blind overseer, um, which is funny because it's a blind overseer, right? But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it, you had to point it out the, for me. The religion, the, re- <laughs> the religion of Ixtion is kind of also, it's a place where I probably really wouldn't like it in reality because the religion there is sort of commerce and capitalism. It's where all the merchant hubs are, yeah, but it's, it it's a horrible. really cool, adventurous <laughs> place. And the fact that that is it is all bets are off all religions that aren't straight up demon worshiping where you're going to, we know you're going to kill our citizens are welcome here. So in the temple region, like it, it's almost got a Lankmarish. It's probably my most Lankmarish city. Right. Yeah. And in, in that city, you've got like uh this has nothing to do with the Kickstarter except where this <laughs> stuff all comes from. So it kind of does, but there's not actual, I talk about the regions in these books a little bit, just enough to whet your appetite for what comes next after this. Right. So, yeah. So there's three hardback books that you're going to have, correct? Yes. There were going to be two because it was going to be the class compendium. And then the caster's codex, which is going to be all the spells and magic that goes with the spell casting classes in there, plus new spells for pre-existing classes, right? Yes. And then and then I was like, you know what? I have been teasing and hinting at and saying I've been working on this combat book since OSE came out pretty much. <laughs> I should put that in there too. That way also players who pick these up who play martial classes and thieves and such aren't left out because you get this big book of magic stuff and a big book of classes, but then there's nothing extra for the martial people. Right. So I should put my, my combat option book out there too, which also has as um, rules out the gate. It's going to have rules for chivalric style tournaments with my jousting rules, which are, they're a BXified variant on the chainmail jousting rules. Okay. And then I have rules for target shooting. I have rules for five on five melee, all of the things that, you know, you used to be able to go to a medieval tournament and see, or in historical martial arts, European martial arts tournaments with, uh, with the groups that do them today. Yeah. Is what you get rules for in here. So it's, it's a little different. All of them are a little different than regular combat. Cause if you write a rule, it should be meaningful. And if you're doing something that's different than regular combat, it should feel different. This is a part of why I play a lot of games that have simple unified mechanics. But if I write a rule, I still have this this inkling in me that it should feel different to do different things. Like if you're playing old school D&D and you cast a spell, it doesn't feel the same as you being a fighter hitting something with a sword and oh, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of one of the things that i'm not crazy about in 5e is you know you get these wizards with spells where you've got a two hit roll and a d10 damage and your fighter who's got a two hit roll <laughs> and a d10 damage like this doesn't feel like i'm doing anything different i like that level of it's not really simulationist or anything but it feels different if i'm picking pockets as a thief yeah. Than it does if I'm hitting something with a sword because it's not just D20 target number. That's a very modern idea. Like it's very third yeah. edition that everything that you do in the game has to have like pretty much the same mechanic. You roll a 20, you roll high and you succeed. And I do get how that can speed things along maybe. Yeah. But, but I like to have things feel different. So the tournament rules are different than you're, if you're in regular combat. You know, my ritual magic rules when you apply them feel different than when you're just throwing off a cast spell, even, you yeah. know, I, I like that. 
I like the rules changing. I like different things happening. I just want to keep them simple enough and be exified yeah. enough that you don't necessarily have to look up that rule. It's simple enough that whatever mm-hmm. player is using that with their character, they'll be able to remember that rule when they're doing it. They're mm-hmm. not going to have to flip pages, at least maybe not after the first few times that it's new to them. It'll be simple enough that, okay, when I'm exercising a spirit, it's this. If I'm jousting, it's this. So what uh, what they're going to get in the combat book, though, is also additional rules, different rules for initiative, different rules for things like critical hits, you know, yeah. simple ones and more complex ones that are a little more rune questy where you might be able to make <laughs> money. I don't necessarily use those because they bog down the game a little bit, but some people might like them. So I'm going to present the option, you know, yeah. Um, rules for using tactical formations like forming a shield wall right because Mm -hmm. that's just cool and you know when i started thinking about that when i wrote that in um in the goldenrod guide that i wrote for d20 pathfinder srd's group but it was for swords and wizardry when they were trying to do some old school stuff probably seven eight years ago yeah i wrote a swords and wizardry variant of that rule and when i was there i'm like man if you could get guys in a shield wall just walking around like an armored tank in a dungeon with a shield wall. And you put your magic users in the middle of that. You've got a mobile tank walking around. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's like the cool. phalanx. The phalanx yep. is pretty much what that it's, is. That's like, exactly. old, you know, it's an old warfare technique. Exactly. But you stick magic users in one of those. You've got a whole different animal and weapon of war going on. <laughs> and that's kind of cool. You know, so I've, there's going to be a section on that. And I've got various ways going, of going about it that I also introduced in that Swords and Wizardry book. But I've, I've tinkered with it a lot since then to make it simpler and easier to use. Uh, combat maneuvers or combat styles, right? Combat yeah. styles is what I call them there, which is um, simple ways to do it. Fighters can get these at levels 1, 5, or 10 mm-hmm. to make fighters... Because people constantly bitch that fighters aren't as good when you add in the advanced classes like knights and, you know, all yeah. of that. And it's it's things like sword and board, and it's simple. It's If you're fighting with a sword and a shield, you get plus one, an extra plus one to your armor because you're good at using just a weapon in one hand and a shield, you know. Or I'm going to have my name because the guy that did the PFSRD version changed a bunch of my names that were made to hit punk rockers and metal heads because he didn't listen to the music and didn't understand what I was going for. I had cool <laughs> titles that were based on songs and albums, <laughs> but there's one where you can, t- where you can remove, uh, where you can throw your precision to the side by reducing your attack roll yeah. by a certain amount and adding that to your damage roll. And I called it vulgar display of power. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. And people that know Pantera are going to catch that. Right. Cause they know that um, look at my logo. It's it's well, a heavy metal logo, right? Uh, uh, Pantera's Pantera comes up on this show a little bit here and there. I've noticed. <laughs> so um, you know, it's it, it, there's that. But in the final version of that book, when I got my copy, I'm looking at it and it's Haymaker style. I'm like, dude, really? You edited the t- the name of my thing, and there were other ones like that too. Like I had just to throw the historical name, even though it's just German. I had a two-handed fighting style that I called Zweihander, <laughs> and he changed it to two-handed style. I'm like, dude, it's just flavor, man, and the flavor is cool. <laughs> let it, let the flavor be. I'm trying to be flavorful with this stuff. So there's going to be a bunch of things like that. Um, there's a set, going to be a second rule to utilize that, where if you don't want to just give it to fighters, but you're using the optional advanced proficiency rules 
you can take these instead of a new weapon when you get a new proficiency. So that's another way of doing it. There's various ways that you're going to be able to apply that if you want it in your game. So there's going to just be a whole bunch of different options, right? Archery, called shots, all kinds of things where you can just kind of custom tailor your combat if you want to, right? Yeah. If you don't, you don't have to. But I am going to tell you, I'm throwing in the way that I run initiative is one of the optional initiatives, which is even simpler than normal OSE because there's no declarations. It's just seriously, both sides roll, run (laughs) around the table the way I do it. So nobody gets left out is the person sitting in my left rolls party initiative first. Next time initiatives rolled, whether it's the next round or if they take everything out or run, yeah, whatever. I just keep track of where it is. So everybody through a just session round robin. is yeah, going to have that, time to round robin it. And that's pretty initi- much how we do initiative. And the, and, the initi- <laughs> and the initiative starts with that person too going. That way everybody's got a chance to go first or pass it off if they're doing something tactical, right? Yeah, but there's going to be multiple uh, multiple variations on initiative and whatnot in there too. So that's that's kind of the gist of the combat book there, right? I want to ask about something, uh, yeah. and I want to I want you to talk about tell us about some. I'm curious about some of the stretch goals because you have quite a few people that I, I'm fans of some of these people. Some pretty good creators here that seem to be popping up in your stretch goals. So the stretch goals, we've got new classes popping up, new rules and whatnot at lower increments, right? Because I'm going to drop new stuff in there for people. Our first stretch goal is a newcomer to the scene who is actually going to be the editor on the Creature Companion book, the one that's got all of the Evelyn art, which I'm getting close yes. to done with. Getting close to done with that and about ready to pass it off. Uh, Robbie Groves, when I interviewed them, because I interview everybody that I'm going to work with to some degree to make sure that I'm not working with somebody I'm not comfortable working with, or later down the line, something is going to come out about them and they're going, oh, shit. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I said a word. Sorry. Uh Oh, oh, no. We don't do that. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, tr- so. I, I try not to yep. say bad words, but plenty of my guests and other people will. So I don't have an yeah. aversion to it. I just try to be clean cut and nice and respectable. Because <laughs> 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 I, I have the mouth of a sailor. I got a mouth of a Marine. I'm a Marine. I got it. <laughs> Air quotes. Clean cut and respectable on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Robbie Groves um, came on. Gave me a near complete, when I opened up submission calls last winter, interviewed them. They gave me essentially a near complete module. Oh, nice. Well, they sent me initially. I'm like, wow, wow, (laughs) wow. Okay. Yeah, this is great. And uh, that one's pretty cool. You can possibly go through the whole thing without combat if you want to, if you manage to. So different play styles are going to be able to play this one and it's nice, or there can be combat or there's multiple ways you could possibly resolve everything in this. And I like that a lot. And, you know, different groups going through it are going to have very different results. Mm-hmm. And it, it turns the idea that the traditional D&D idea of elves and dark elves on its head. Our second stretch goal, author, it's not an adventure. I'm bringing on, if we hit 17,000, Miranda Hunt. She's an awesome, awesome lady. Facebook friends for a while. She is a historical fencing coach. Oh. Um, she's got a couple uh, through Basic Witch Games, which she's the co-founder of. They've got a couple of BX classes out there that are pretty cool. One of them is literally to play a panther 
which was <laughs> I saw it. The other one is for a muse class, which is really, really an interesting buff type class because I see her constantly, constantly posting about the historical European martial arts she's involved in and fencing and teaching fencing. And, hey, I've been figure, trying to figure out for a way uh, for a long time to make some really cool historical dueling rules that feel like you're really doing it, not like you're just in regular D&D combat. Because anybody could have a duel and just have it standard combat between two characters, right? Yeah. But I'm going, but you've got experience with this and you play BX mm-hmm. and OSZ. Would you like to be a guest author and write those rules? But there's a chance too we'll do an appendix because everybody who's got any of my books or zines knows that I like to drop appendices in there with all kinds <laughs> of neat little tidbits, historical pieces, or you know, extra stuff, extra extra content in addition to the adventure or whatever it is. Oh yeah, I want to keep the rules in the rule book, just rules. But she may also do an appendix about historical fencing, a brief history piece and an explanation of it from a practical how to sort of perspective, which I think would be really cool. Right. That would be that would be neat to see. Because I, li- I like to have stuff like that in there. That's why Solar Sanctuary, the cannibal corpse has the uh, the plague doctor's outfit and how all the components <laughs> went together. Yes. in there. Because I'm going to teach people stuff in this D&D book. <laughs> I've learned a lot yeah. from D&D books over the years. <laughs> yep, exactly. And they've inspired me to go out and learn more things. Uh, there's certain historic things that I've learned from D&D. So then who's, so yeah, Miranda Hunt. And then we have Larry Hamilton, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time. Those who were all a part of the uh, old school blogosphere for a while on G plus and everything will recognize them. Uh, his blog is follow me and die. He's got a bunch of stuff up on uh, drive through that were originally given to all of his patrons. And then he published them for either small amounts or pay what you want. He's going to do a cool little adventure. If we hit 20 grand, actually redo, it's one he's already done, but we're going to port it over into OSE and make it cleaner um, called no, really it's me. We're going to print the Kickstarter plus a few extras and then done. Then he's going to take the new version back and put it back on his drive-through, but no no print version again. It turns things on its head for the party. It's really a one-off because the party plays a bunch of doppelgangers from the dungeon. The next three that we have, everybody around OSC should recognize all three of these guys. First one is Todd LeBac. People will recognize from Third Kingdom Games, author of Filling in the Blanks, Into the Wild, Basilisk Kills, Ultimate Hex Crawl, all those little great Hex Crawl books that he puts out on his Patreon and then releases to everybody in bundles. Uh, it's just great, great stuff, right? After, by the way, he's the next goal. After, if we hit the, getting all three hardback books, having sewn binding. So everybody come back this thing so we can get sewn binding and get the <laughs> Yeah, what that right? sewn binding. Uh, shortly after him, we've got the full soundtrack by Nick of Sleeping Bears, who did the the music for the video. Nice. We're going to sit down and put together a whole thing for my world and dungeon crawling and stuff, if that works out. Then the next one is Bill Edmonds, who he recently did the ZineQuest campaign, Into the Deep. Previous to that, people in the OSR should recognize him from his excellent game, The Bone Age. Uh, and he is going to come on and do an adventure. Then our last current stretch goal author is Wayne Roberts, who is famous for in OSE for doing Dungeon Plumbers and recently ran the huge Kickstarter covering World Breaker and Dark Tides of Zerados. He's going to write an adventure. We haven't discussed the adventure at all. He's 
real, real deep into what has to happen for his Kickstarter first. If we hit that, he's going to have an adventure out as well. If we hit all these stretch goals, that is, by the way, for those ba- that want to back all three books, plus uh, plus this stuff, that is three hardback books and five soft cover adventures you would get with this if we hit all these goals, nice. which is pretty good for the pricing that I have right now. I've also yeah. got a tier for anybody that's new to this. Um, where you can get everything we've published to date. People want the physicals of everything we've published to date. They can back at that. That's $150, which is actually a bargain based on what the cover price of everything is or will be. If you've got most of my stuff, I've got all kinds of add-ons. If you want more than one copy of any of these, because you think you're going to use them at the table a lot, they're available as add-ons too. Excellent. I, I like that. I like being able to add. Sometimes it's just you need an extra player's guide or spell book or something like that. Just so yep. that two people can have them open. Um, and this thing's <laughs> going to have a lot of spells for both new classes and new spells for existing classes and new magic rules. So for things other than spells. And uh, if you want to have any idea what those are, I don't want to eat up too much more time because I know that we've run over already. <laughs> but uh, check out the Kickstarter because the gist of all three books is up there along with all the stretch goals to this point, along with all uh, all of the add-ons, everything is listed here. It's got an, it's got a video with a groovy soundtrack and a bunch of AI created art. Most of that art won't be used. Some of that art is going to be redone as it's being used by some of the artists. If we hit, we've got a stretch goal to have color art inside of it in the same way that the OSE core books do. So I'm hoping that I hit that because I was a second edition guy too. So having some <laughs> art mixed with the black and white art is I like you know, that, yeah. very nostalgic to me. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, everybody should go and back the Kickstarter because so th- it's looking great. We've got a team of, if all the stretch goals hit, we have a team of 20 people that are currently going to be working on this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's, that's a team. Between all of the artists, the editors, and the authors, it's it's a thing. Covers real quick. There's one that the AI made that a bunch of us are in agreement is really good, and that's the Caster's Codex one. I can't believe it turned out exactly what I was thinking that well. We're keeping that one. That's the only piece of AI art that's likely staying. The other two covers are going to have variants done by artists. The class compendium is going to be done by Christina, I believe, Nowak. I've never heard her last name pronounced. It's Nowak or Novak. She does some really great painted looking images. And then the other the other cover is going to be done by my consistently returning artist, good friend, Stacy Joy. Where can we find you online? You can find me online at appendixnentertainment.com. Uh, there's links to everything we've got there. And there is currently a link in the upper right corner to the Kickstarter if you can't find the Kickstarter by, on your own. Thank you for coming back on. It's been great getting to catch up with you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no always a pleasure. Yeah, Always a pleasure. It's good It's good to talk to you again. It's good to catch up it, it, from, from what you've heard here recorded and what you haven't heard recorded. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> if you enjoy what you've heard, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really, really use the support. Go to patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>